My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Sheila Sampath. Sheila Sampath's feminist politics initially developed through being first a client and then an active member of a rape crisis center in Toronto. Her involvement in a range of feminist contexts gave her the opportunity to do lots of grassroots, intersectional, community-based organizing. And then, designing a poster for Toronto's Take Back the Night March one year took her down a new path of making art and making grassroots media of various kinds. After she graduated from University of Toronto, she went back to school for graphic design to bring together her passion for social justice work with design and media making. In 2006, Sampath joined Shameless Magazine as volunteer art director. The publication had been founded in 2004 by Nicole Cohen and Melinda Matos, students in the journalism program at Ryerson University in Toronto, who turned a class project in which they dreamed up a feminist magazine for teens into a real publication that is still going strong 15 years later. A year or two into Sampath's time at the magazine, the founders decided that they were burned out and they needed to step back from the core of the project. They stayed connected to it, and indeed they still are to this day, but the magazine transitioned to a new editorial leadership. Looking back on that time today, Sampath says it prompted her to reflect a great deal on what feminist politics and feminist media should look like. She stayed in her role as art director, but the publication's new editorial leadership resulted in it centering a kind of feminism in which Sampath, as a queer woman of color, could not see herself. Nor could she see many of the working class and racialized women and trans people with whom she had done grassroots feminist work over the years. This changed in 2010, when Sampath herself became editorial director of Shameless. Today, the publication identifies itself as being a feminist magazine for teen girls and trans youth. It reformulated its mandate to be explicitly intersectional and trans-inclusive, to make race and class and ability and sexuality and indigeneity explicitly integral to its feminism. It also aimed to take up its feminism not just to guide editorial choices about content, but as a starting point for how it operates, building cultures of care into its ways of work, focusing on capacity building for marginalized participants, and much more. They don't just publish a magazine, they also run a youth advisory board slash feminist youth group, hold workshops, engage in popular education, and do events. This year, they found funding through the Toronto Arts Council to host their first conference, the Talking Back Feminist Media Conference. It will be taking place at the Toronto Media Arts Centre on November 16th and 17th, 2019. They aim to provide an intergenerational and welcoming space for discussions of feminist media that will be open to people who make it, people who consume it, and people who just want to learn more about it. They aim for the conference to carry through the kinds of feminist values that Shameless centers in its own operations, to think carefully about how power and things like conventional notions of expertise make some kinds of conference spaces hostile for many, and to create an event that will be welcoming and safe for people who are normally excluded from mainstream media, and even at times from mainstream feminist media. The conference content will be organized into four main tracks, exploring what feminist processes of media making can look like, feminist media as activism, questions of representation in radical ways that go beyond traditional models of inclusion, 
and the many forms and aesthetics that feminist media can adopt. Ultimately, Sampath wants the conference to be an opportunity to have thoughtful, radical, collective discussions about what feminism is, about what media is, and about people's visions for what feminist media can be. Today, along with being art and editorial director at Shameless, Sampath is an artist, activist, and writer, and she co-founded and runs a social justice art and design space called The Public Studio. I speak with her about feminist media, Shameless Magazine, and the Talking Back Feminist Media Conference. My name is Sheila Sampath. I've been involved in social justice organizing work and media justice work and social justice art work for the last almost 20 years. I founded and run a social justice art and design space called The Public Studio. We have like a gallery, we do workshops, facilitation, and we do work for nonprofit social justice groups and unions. I also am the editorial and art director of Shameless Magazine, which is a feminist magazine for teen girls and trans youth. I joined the organization in 2006, and the organization's been around since 2004. And I also maintain my own art practice and writing practice. I wrote a book on feminist lineage. I am working on another book right now. I make zines. I do workshops. I speak out against violence and use the internet as much as I can. And I'm a new mom. Shameless has been around for 15 years. We publish a magazine three times a year. We run a youth advisory board where we do workshops in popular education and capacity building with young folks. And so this year is our 15th year of publishing. We decided that it would be really, really great to honor a lot of the amazing feminist media work that's happening, not just at Shameless, but outside of our organization as well, and to provide a space for folks to connect with each other. We applied for a Toronto Arts Council grant and got it. And we're running our first ever Talking Back Feminist Media Conference. It's happening November 16th and 17th at the Toronto Media Arts Centre here in Toronto. It's intergenerational. It's intersectional. We have four different tracks and 16 sessions throughout the two days. Really, what we're also trying to do is to take this term feminist media and figure out, like, what do we mean by feminist and what do we mean by media? That feels like a particularly important thing to unpack in this moment, especially with all the stuff that's been going on with the Toronto Public Library and this resurgence of trans-exclusionary radical feminism. So we're really trying to use this space to be an inclusive space that is kind of creating a more collective definition of the term feminist media. I wasn't particularly engaged with politics, with grassroots movements when I was a teenager. And when I was 18, I moved to the city. I'm a survivor of sexual violence, and I found myself at a rape crisis center seeking support, and that space was an amazing, amazing space for me. And when I felt like my work there as someone going through a healing process was done, I decided that I wanted to volunteer. And I was trained as a crisis line counselor, a court support worker, an advocate. Prior to my work there, I had really thought about violence as like an individualized thing, something that, you know, a bad person maybe does to another person, that these are like really, really highly incidental kind of experiences. And working at the Toronto Rape Crisis Centre, Multicultural Women Against Rape, really taught me to take a more structural and systemic analysis to these acts of violence. And it really opened my eyes to other forms of oppression and other forms of violence that are happening all around me. And so kind of shifting the view from the incidental or the individual to the systemic and the societal. At that time, I was a student at U of T. I ended up falling in love with the work so much that I switched majors to sociology and psychology to kind of get a better sense of how our society is structured and how do things work, basically. And while I was at the TRCC, I was doing a lot of grassroots organizing, really developing my politics in this sort of intersectional, community-based and community-led way. And then I started making things. 
the first time I co-organized Take Back the Night, which is an annual rally in March that's an opportunity for survivors of sexual and gender-based violence to take up space and reclaim our streets. I was involved in co-organizing that for the first time in 2003, and I made a poster for it just because we needed someone to make a poster, and I never made a poster before. I never really made much of anything before. I mean, just aesthetically, it was pretty awful, but the act of making it and then seeing people come together around this piece of art was really, really empowering and really liberating. And I kind of just fell in love with making and with different forms of media sort of generally. So when I had strong feelings about something, I would make zines. When I was really angry about something, I'd like make stickers and put them around town. And then when I graduated from university, I actually went back to school for graphic design with this intent of figuring out ways of combining social justice work with design, with media, with community-based media. And so when I graduated from design school, I applied for a volunteer position as art director of Shameless, which seemed like a really lovely way of kind of combining these skill sets. One thing led to another. Now I run the organization. <laughs> And tell me more about Shameless, about its politics, and about how it operates as a media project. Shameless started in 2004. It started actually as a class project. Melinda Matos and Nicole Cohen were our co-founders. They were two students in the Ryerson Journalism Program, and they were given the class project to imagine a publication that should exist that doesn't exist. And they were like, hey, a feminist magazine for teens. And so they did it as a class project. When the class was over, they were like, hey, just because the class is over doesn't mean that this need doesn't actually exist. So they decided to start up Shameless. They did some fundraisers. They did it as a volunteer project right from the start. It's still a volunteer-run magazine to this day. And the two of them ran it pretty single-handedly. I think they had a publisher as well. So it was like them two, one person doing publishing, one art director, and like a, a blog editor, I think. And they ran it, I think, until 2007 or 2008. I joined in 2006 as art director to replace their outgoing art director. Shameless was just such an exciting project when it started up because it kind of had the feel of a zine in a lot of ways, but the weight of a magazine. And so you can actually see it on newsstands, which was just like mind blowing to me. And so when you run a volunteer project, I think there's a lot of potential for burnout, which Nicole and Melinda definitely felt. They posted a job for taking over the magazine and it went under different leadership for a few years. During that time, I think, again, like this sort of comes up in the context of the conference, but when you define a magazine as a feminist magazine for teens, that could mean a lot of things. I think we're seeing that right now with what's happening at the Toronto Public Library with Megan Murphy. You know, you have someone like that that's calling herself a feminist and also professing a politic that's quite harmful. There's forms of feminism that are problematic in other ways, like that Sheryl Sandberg lean in type of politic, you know, or like I'm with her Hillary kind of feminist politic which is really about maintaining and upholding power in different ways. And sometimes when you have a project like this that's defined by a feminist politic, but that feminist politic isn't clearly defined, there's potential for a magazine like Shameless to have a very different kind of voice. And I think during that period where Melinda and Nicole had handed it over to a different editor, I think a lot of questions were raised around what's the space of like trans folks in here? What's the space for like women and trans people of color within this? And, you know, I'm a racialized person. I'm a queer person, too. And I was still working for the magazine, but didn't necessarily see myself reflected in it. And so a few years later, when the magazine was offered to me, I actually was quite hesitant about working on it as an editorial director. But it also was this really lovely opportunity to really think about what the potential of Shameless could be. And for me, that was starting to 
define a more inclusive form of feminism, one that maybe uses gender as a starting point, but is intersectional in terms of how it moves through and thinks about race and class and ability and indigeneity and migrant justice and status and all of these other kinds of things that impact people's lives. So that was an opportunity to rewrite our mandate. So it was explicitly intersectional, explicitly trans-inclusive, and also thinking about feminism as an activist politic. And that as a feminist project, we don't just have a responsibility to publish feminist content as we define it, but to also operate in feminist ways. And so creating cultures of care within our work, creating opportunities for capacity building for neglected voices, whether that's youth voices, voices of color, Black and Indigenous voices, queer and trans voices, things like that. And so our work as a media project is actually quite multifaceted. In addition to this print magazine, we run this youth group, we hold workshops, we do events, and this conference is one really exciting and brand new facet for that for us to just like amplify voices that aren't ours and to provide this intergenerational space for folks to have these critical conversations in accessible and hopefully fun and caring and loving ways. As someone who's been involved in a couple of different collective media projects over the years, I have a sense of how hard it is to build in cultures of care and capacity building and so on, particularly when you're working with minimal resources. How has Shameless done that? It's kind of thinking about what's the value of work without the people who create that work. Sometimes with media projects, with projects that are underfunded or not funded at all, a lot of times we operate from a place of scarcity because our resources, like our monetary resources, our tangible resources are scarce. And that can often lead to this frantic way of working that just replicates the violence of capitalism and of industry. And with Shameless and this culture of care, I think that, yeah, we're deadline driven. We're trying to put out three issues a year. We're trying to be accountable to our communities in these like very, very different ways. But there's this deep belief that if we push ahead and do things without checking in about how we're feeling, without paying attention to the fact that we're people with lives and complex lives and all of us are unpaid for this work, that we're actually not doing feminist work. This culture of care for me is operating from a place of abundance because the most abundant thing that we have is the human resource, the access to like this brilliant knowledge, this access to friendship, this access to each other is vibrant and endless and boundless resources. And it manifests in these different ways. So like when we have meetings, just making sure there's always food at meetings, right? It's just like so basic, but it makes a really big difference to have check-ins that are long. We have a two-hour meeting once a month, and I'd say an hour of that is us checking in about our lives. There's a lot of importance and value to that, just touching base about where we're at in our lives and what our capacity for doing this work is, and that we can always shift our ways of working. And so we do have a structure to the magazine. We have roles, those roles have definitions, but there's no reason we can't change those definitions to fit the lives of the people that we're actually working with. So for me, creating this culture of care is like having structure, having policy, having ways that we can be accountable to each other, but also having flexibility and nuance and responsiveness to constantly updating and changing them to like fit the people that are around us to adapt and to change and to grow as the lives of the people around us do the same things. So I think this culture of care is actually working from a really relational place and seeing relationships as the place of abundance in this work and the thing that always needs to take priority, even when you have a deadline. And even when you have a deadline that might be challenging to meet, there's always creative ways of working with that and around that and making sure that we're all okay as we're doing that. How did the idea for the Talking Back conference originate? 
Our amazing publisher, Julia Horrell, was always looking for funding opportunities for us. And she found this funding stream through the Toronto Arts Council, which provides the opportunity to bring people together in these different kinds of ways. I've probably attended at least a dozen conferences speaking about Shameless in different capacities, but we've always kind of had this dream that it would be great to like host our own and to do things a little bit differently and to think about all the values that we hold as a magazine manifest themselves in this kind of event. When this funding stream came up, Julia brought it forward and was like, this is something that maybe we could think about for ourselves, especially given that it's our 15th year and an opportunity not just to reflect on our own history of publishing, but also on the work that's happening in other spaces as well. So we wrote a grant application thinking about what it means to put together a conference, but also what it means to think about conferences a little bit differently. Some of the questions we asked ourselves was like, what does an intergenerational conference look like? What does an unconference look like? I worked as a professor as well at the Ontario College of Art and Design. I've been a part of academic spaces in all these really, really different ways. And I've also seen the violence that can happen in those spaces, the exclusivity, this idea of expertise. And conferences can be this place that really breeds that. So the Talking Back conference, we saw as this way to really reimagine that. And again, with Shameless, we're always thinking about building capacity in these different ways. So it's like, if we can kind of design this community event, we can call it a conference and it can kind of take the form of a conference in these different ways, although we can build in these structures to make it radically different, then we're also able to bring more people into this world. So if someone can have a really good first conference experience presenting at ours, then maybe that could be a stepping stone for them. So we wrote this grant proposal to assemble an intergenerational steering committee. We proposed four tracks and we secured a location at the Toronto Media Arts Centre. And then once we got the grant, it's kind of been go, go, go from there. My role is sort of the lead curator. And then Julia, who's our publisher, and Anna, who's our events coordinator, are taking the lead on the logistics piece. So as a curator, I have my own specific points of identity, my own way of seeing the world. A part of this grant was assembling a steering committee to get multiple voices so that we're defining tracks that are relevant and important and inclusive and picking sessions that kind of do the same thing. So we did a call out for steering committee members. We assembled a steering committee. I have a couple other jobs, but a lot of what I do in my other life is around participatory design and co-creation and things like that. So I facilitated two very long sessions with this amazing intergenerational group, one where we started to define the tracks and the criteria for sessions, and then one where we selected sessions in this collaborative activity-based way. The main decisions around that have been made by the steering committee, and then I've taken on the work of scheduling and figuring out what people need to make that happen. And then Amma and Julia have been taking the lead on the logistics of like other volunteers, other staff members, space, social media, that kind of thing. We also have someone that's doing an arts market. Our amazing web art director, Bina, is doing that. And what's the conference itself going to involve? There's four tracks as a part of the conference. Track one is around community-centered media processes and sustainable movements. And some of the key questions there are like, how can we imagine processes of production to be more in line with feminist politics? And so really thinking about those things of like cultures of care, thinking critically about our relationship to capital, thinking critically about our relationship to productivity, thinking about sustainability, thinking about the role of care and safety, and also just starting to define broader goals of feminist media. Track two is thinking about feminist media as activism. And so what's the role that feminist media plays in broader social movements? We often see media projects take on, you know, social change and be like agents of social change. And so really thinking about what that could look like in different ways. That was a very popular track. 
track three is around radical representation and thinking beyond the traditional models of inclusion. This is a question that's come up quite a bit. It's something I'm actually asked to speak about on panels fairly often, but thinking about more inclusive practices and also just like, how do we have better representation? And sometimes power isn't always challenged when we think about inclusion. And so this track, we're trying to highlight projects and sessions that start to really reimagine that and think about barriers to inclusion, barriers to participation, and also redistributing power within media spaces in exciting and interesting ways so that we can see more people speaking to their own experiences. We can have more diversity of voices and more agency and self-determination in those voices. And then the fourth track is around thinking about form and aesthetics. I mentioned at the beginning that really this conference is trying to figure out like what do we mean by feminist and what do we mean by media? And this track is really focusing on what are exciting things happening in media? So what are the different forms it can take? How can we expand what media can be considered feminist? So thinking about things like technology, new media, old media, radio, like, you know, all these really exciting things. Shameless is primarily a print project. We have a website. We do podcasts. You know, we've done different kinds of things. But here we have folks speaking to like virtual reality, thinking about apps that decolonize in these really radical and interesting ways and just like the aesthetics of art and stuff as well and art as media and just really focusing on the form that feminist media can take. Who are you hoping attends the conference? Oftentimes, conferences are really designed for insiders, I guess, if that makes sense. So folks kind of engaged in this work, people who call this work discourse, I suppose. For us, our conference is open to anyone. Feminist media is something that impacts a lot of people, especially, especially young folks. And, you know, thinking about Shameless's demographic, we have readers as young as 13 years old. We have folks that are much older than 13 years old read our magazine as well. And so we're really trying to keep the conference accessible to teens, to folks who are just curious and open, whether you have experience making media or not. So many of us are consumers of feminist media in different ways. So we really are trying to keep this open to shameless demographic, but also like a very intergenerational demographic as well. We're hoping that folks who are traditionally marginalized by mainstream media and also folks who are traditionally marginalized by feminist media are also kind of a key demographic for us. We have specific sessions around trans inclusivity, around queer and trans BIPOC spaces, you know, like just folks who are not only harmed by mainstream media, but also sometimes harmed by mainstream feminist media, too. We're hoping that this can be a safer space for folks to highlight really exciting projects and to talk about really important issues and for folks to see themselves reflected in the sessions as well. So based on your long experience of doing this work, what's your sense of the state of feminist media in the Canadian context? There's a lot of exciting things that are happening, and a lot of that is going to be reflected in the projects that are highlighted in sessions throughout the conference. You know, we're seeing really, really exciting work around like youth creating libraries. We're seeing, you know, DJs talking about creating more inclusive spaces. We're seeing like some really, really cool things that are happening all over the country. But I mean, the conference is a bit Toronto centric because that's where we are and we don't have the budget to have people traveling here. So, yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening. I think also at the same time, feminism as a politic is reaching this very critical moment in needing to define itself and figuring out what it is as a politic and what we stand for. And I think what we saw here in Toronto, you know, we saw the Toronto Public Library renting out space to someone whose politic I think is like a very, very harmful politic that also uses the word feminism to support itself and to perpetuate hate, actually. 
So I think we're at this moment, not just in Canada, but more broadly, where there is a need to really define these terms, like to define what we mean by feminism, to define what we mean by an inclusive feminism. In my bubble, the state of feminist media is exciting and vibrant, and there's so many cool things happening, and I'm seeing such important media projects survive and thrive really in like the face of austerity. But then when I step out of my bubble and I remember that there's trans-exclusionary radical feminists, there's sex work exclusionary radical feminists, and they're all using the word feminism to deny agency and self-determination to vulnerable people, to vulnerable women, to vulnerable groups. And then it makes me realize how in flux things are. So for me, things are a bit all over the place. So to have the opportunity for diverse folks to come together and to create these definitions through different sessions and through actions and through words and through examples and presentations, I think there's like a really beautiful opportunity that can come out of a lot of pain. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to gather with folks with whom we share basic values of like human rights and dignity and self-determination and to co-create a working definition of what feminist media is and also what we stand for and also what we won't stand for. What are you hoping comes out of the conference, both in terms of what you hope people who attend take away, but also what do you hope might happen after in a more organized sense? In terms of what folks take away... On a basic level, I want folks to feel comfortable attending, challenging, taking up space in things called conferences. I mentioned before, you know, I've been to a lot of conferences that haven't felt like they're for everyone, where there's this very exclusive definition of what expertise is, who's allowed to call themselves an expert, who's allowed to take up space. And so on a very, very basic level, I'd like to see folks maybe who haven't attended conferences before, who haven't presented at conferences before, feel like that's a space. Not just that the Talking Back conference is a space that they can attend, but also that they can and should take up spaces in other conference spaces, like nothing about us without us kind of thing. When we put out our tracks, each track has a set of key questions, sort of a part of it. I'm not really anticipating that those questions are going to be answered, but I'm hoping that folks leave with more questions, which is always kind of a good thing. And that also folks leave with a sense of connectedness and community and energy and excitement for starting their own projects or contributing to ones that already exist and to thinking more deeply and in more nuanced ways and more critically about what we're doing. Because I think when we're talking about feminism, I think we lots of people define that in a lot of different ways. For me personally, it's a process and it's a process of self-reflection and iteration. And so if folks can learn from the mistakes of other projects, learn from the best practices of other projects, ask questions not just of the society around us, but of ourselves and our role in this movement, not just as media makers, but as media consumers, then I think I would consider that a pretty successful conference. In terms of organizing beyond this, I think it would be great if you know, more folks get involved with Shameless, if more folks get connected to other projects, break isolation kind of generally. And I think in terms of more targeted actions, I think that's something that we're going to have to see what comes up at the conference and be responsive to and allow spaces for organizing and connections as they arise over those two days. You have been listening to my interview with Sheila Sampath of Shameless Magazine about the upcoming Talking Back Feminist Media Conference, happening on November 16th and 17th in Toronto. To learn more about the conference, search for Talking Back Feminist Media Conference on Facebook or go to shamelessmag.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.